Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, what a beautiful looking day outside my studio in Fort Collins. A little cool. And the weather change, you know, we've been saying the last few weeks about the fall transitions in both hunting and fishing that they were slowly transitioning. I think that transition got sped up. We'll find out during today's show. Uh, We're going to start talking about getting ready for ice fishing. We're going to have some open water fishing today. We're going to talk about waterfowl hunting. we got a full show. And you know what's going to happen over these next few weeks now? We're going to start doing our Masters of Ice Fishing series, which will be in November and into December. And we'll have people like Bro Brosdahl and Steve Panaz and Dave Gentz will come on and talk about what's the newest innovations in ice fishing and what's on the horizon. And then our local uh, ice fishing experts, Nate Zielinski, uh Brad Peterson, Ronnie Castiglione, they're all going to join us. And, of course, Austin Parr. And we'll talk local ice fishing, but with the newest technologies applied to it. So we're going to really get you into ice fishing. You know, we should have fishable ice water I would say, you know, about three weeks. That being said, there's some people that are already hiking up into the hills and ice fishing already. But more easily accessible main bodies of water, we'll see ice fishing take off. And it's really growing, so we're going to help you through that. By the way, we're on ESPN today. We normally broadcast on the fan from 9 to 11 because, uh, I mean, that's our normal time. But then there's a football game today, so sometimes... We get switched over to 10 to new one on ESPN. If you want to make sure where we're going to be, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Not only can you find out where we're going, and we put fishing reports, update, updated, up-to-date field reports. Easy for me to talk today. Up-to-date field reports. Uh, we put links to videos, and we'll tell you what's coming up on the show a lot of times. And we put links to podcasts of the last week's show. So lots of information there. So follow us on Facebook. Let's go to the phones now. And joining us from Tightline Outdoors is Matt Ensley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. You know, I, I'm sure you were listening during the open. You know, Nate and I and other guests and contributors on the show, over the last maybe three weeks we've been saying, Boy, it's sure been a gradual transition into fall. You know, we're still getting a lot of those late summer bites on our fishing, and I think that <clears throat> that might have changed over the last few days. It definitely did. The water temperatures on the Front Range lakes have finally broken the 50-degree uh, mark and are dropping into the high 40s uh, as we speak. And that, um, well, that'll get us probably close to what we would expect to be happening this time of year uh you know and then we're going to be coming up against boat ramps may start closing in a matter of weeks we may get some shore ice so take us through what's happening now and what we can look forward to sure the water temps will continue to drop uh, about a degree a week as we progress into the winter months and uh this time of year the fall fishing uh, is one of my favorite times to go out and uh, throw blade baits jigging ramps and jerk baits. I love throwing a jerk bait this time of year. You can catch some really large walleye on jerk baits, as well as smallmouth. And um, uh, fish uh, bait 
when you find them uh, with a blade bait or a jigging wrap, you can still fish the bait. Just downsize everything from, you know, an eighth ounce jig drop down to a sixteenth, or even smaller into you know a three thirty seconds or something like that, uh, with a, a night crawler or a chub minnow, and uh, they're still hitting that. I was out uh, two days ago and we we still caught them on bait, but uh, you got to locate them in these areas, edges. You look for edges, whether it's a point a hump, a roadbed, a flat, something that has a, a contour change, and those fish will stack up on those edges. Well, you know, up till now, Cherry Creek and Chatfield, there was some overlap, but they were fishing kind of differently. And I think a lot of it not only was the slow temperature change, but also the fact that there's so much less shad in Chatfield right now that the, I think the fish were being a lot more opportunistic and what they would eat. And on Cherry Creek, with that numbers of shad, even though the water hadn't cooled as much, they were kind of getting into those fall patterns as the shad schooled up. Why don't you maybe talk about each lake individually and what you're seeing right now? Sure. Uh, Cherry Creek is a shallow lake. It, deepest water is front of the tower on the dam. There's 26 feet, but the bulk of the lake is in the 21, 22, with uh, shallow areas in the 10 foot range and uh, those fish will stay on the shad they don't have a hard uh, problem finding the shad schools and they'll stay feeding on the shad and consequently the the fish in cherry creek are very healthy but they do have a lot of food and therefore harder to catch on artificial baits and uh, you sometimes have to switch to a, a live bait presentation uh, like a night crawler or a jig to catch them but we are catching a few out there, pulling blade baits, dragging it, uh, longlining it behind the boat, trolling 0 0.5, 0 0.6, 0 0.7 miles an hour, keeping your bait on the bottom and just ripping it as you go. And uh, all of a sudden, it'll just load up when you go to move it uh, the next time, and you've got one on. Once you find them uh, with that slow trolling, I call it longlining the baits behind the boat, um, you, you want to uh, go back into that area and cast or even uh, try live bait in some of those areas. There'll, there'll always be a rise or some kind of change in depth that, that'll hold them hard bottom areas, something of that nature. When you go to Chatfields, much deeper water, uh, 56 feet in front of the tower, and um, you have fresh water flowing in uh, from the Platte River, uh, the shad spawn this year at Chatfield was not successful. So those fish are, are uh, looking to eat anything they can get their mouth around right now because their food source is limited. So once you find them, uh, the baits you use, jerk baits, blade baits, uh, jerk, uh, jerk baits will all work, but uh, they're still on a good bait bite out there, uh, jig and nightcrawler. Now, when you talk about using a jerk bait this time of the year, you're obviously targeting, prob at least probably targeting, shallower fish than you normally would with, say, a jigging wrap or a blade bait. Is that the case? It, it is, but there's been a new lure on the market now for a few years by Rapala called the Shadow Wrap, and it's slow sinking. It's a slow sinking jerk bait and a bit smaller profile than, say, a Rogue. And um, that bait, you can fish it down in the 20-foot range just by letting it sink to the bottom before you start your, your retrieve back and pausing it. And that has allowed us to uh, open up uh, some opportunities, particularly at Chatfield, for some very large walleye uh, in the low light periods at, uh, in the evenings uh, 
in early morning, they'll st- they're still slamming those uh, shadow wrap uh, baits. Now, when we when we fish a, a blade bait or a, a jigging wrap or a glide bait like that, we tend to pop them, try to get a reaction strike as they make a sudden movement. Sometimes the the pop is less is more subtle. Sometimes it's more. But with a jerk bait, you really get down to the cadence. In warm water, we'll keep them moving and just pause them slightly. But I would think in this cold water, are you keeping them moving or are you still making maybe some long pauses? Lots of long pauses because they will track it for a distance. And when you pause it, in the case of the shadow wrap, it slowly starts to fall. And when they see that falling action, they'll just slam it. Uh, The rogues still work quite well, but when you pause them, they just suspend. So... You try a little of both. I like to pull them both till you find out which one's working the best that day. But either one uh, will catch fish. And uh, like I said, the shadow wrap is probably the best choice or my favorite choice this fall for uh, uh, some of these deeper fish. What are you hearing from lakes like Aurora? Anything out there? Aurora is another favorite lake for walleye and giant smallmouth this time of year. It's, it holds a state record, I believe, still. And uh, there's six, seven pounders uh, swimming around in that lake. So um, they're they're catching fish, particularly the walleye right now. Points, uh, there's uh, a flat at the mouth of uh, the Marina Cove that holds fish and uh, a few humps in the lake. And uh, trolling or casting jerk baits in low light periods, blade baits work really well, and so do the jigging ramps. Now, <clears throat> we're getting towards where we'll start seeing it. We're not that far from starting to see some skim ice, maybe two, three weeks on the shores of some of these lakes. Do you have any, are the boat ramps going to be closing, say, probably right around the 1st of December? Are they going to stay open? What What is it looking like? Right now, they're open, and their scheduled date for closing is the uh, end of November. So that's they'll close it regardless of conditions. But if ice appears and becomes dangerous, they have uh, shut them down uh, a week earlier from time to time. But I think we'll be okay at uh, lakes like Aurora and uh, Chatfield just because they're bigger bodies of water and will cool slower. Uh, don't know quite about uh, Cherry Creek. It's a shallower, so it could get some ice around the edge. And if they do, uh, they would close it a week or so early. Now, are there any shore fishing opportunities? Now, I know there's a lot of stock trout on the front range and a lot of holdover trout in those bigger lakes that get closer to the shore or become more active as the water cools. Any shore, any shore opportunities you see around the front range? Um, my shore fishing uh, lakes would be Aurora, as we just talked about, fishing off the dam itself and Chatfield. And a tip for your uh listeners today is they just stock Chatfield with 15 to 21 inch trout hundreds of them and uh, that was about two days ago so it's it's an easy bite fish the, the rock structures and the dam structures there it gives you easy access to deep water uh, try Tasmanian devils um, spoons just about any kind of spoon that you can throw out and reel, reel back uh Castmaster thing, things like that, and you'll catch these uh, trout because they were just put in the lake. All right, my friend, uh, we got to run, but great information as always, and uh, we're starting to look forward to. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit today. We're a couple months away, but we're not far from all of us getting together for ISE, the International Sportsman's 
uh, Expo that'll be in uh, at the convention center in January, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you there too. I will definitely be there, Terry. You take care. All right, thanks, Matt Ensley from Tightline Outdoors. Let's take a quick time out, and we come back. Let's talk about how we provide some of these big brown trout that are so active in this uh, in Colorado this time of the year. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. People talk about me, baby. Say I'm doing you wrong, doing you wrong. Well, don't you worry, baby, don't worry. Because I'm right here, right here, right here. All right, right there we go. I was stuck on hold there for a minute. I was enjoying the music, though. It was good. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors broadcasting today. On ESPN, uh, normally you'll find us on, on the fan Friday, uh, Saturdays from 9 to 11. So if you like what you hear, join us there every Saturday. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the hatchery system here in Colorado is uh, Brian Johnson. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Terry. It's a beautiful day. Where are you located from your hatchery right now? Uh, we're, in, uh, we're up here in Salida, Colorado. Are you guys seeing some snow there yet, or is it still fall weather? No, it's pretty fall weather. Super windy today, though. Well, you'll get that sometimes up there. You know, I kind of misspoke coming out of the last the last segment. I said we were going to talk about browns. We're actually going to talk about rainbows, cut cutthroats, and cutbows, right, and how you stock them. Uh, you have a program where you actually stock several of the lakes through the ice when they freeze. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We've been uh, we've been stocking uh, catchable trout, which is a ten-inch trout. We've been stocking those through the ice um, in a lot of the a lot of the lakes in South Park, the Eleven Mile and Spinney. And we've been doing we've been doing all of Eleven Mile schedule since uh, about 2010. Now, what are the advantages to you stocking them through the ice compared to just uh, driving up with the truck when the water's open? So there's several there's several advantages. Um, you, you know, we originally started this um, to to stock them when the the pike metabolism is low. So in the winter time, the northern pike, which are which will predate on trout, they their metabolism is a little lower. So we started stocking these as ten inchers in like January, February, and by March or April, they were um, coming out as twelve, thirteen inch fish. So they were growing a little bit on the ice, under the ice, and when the when the pike metabolism started kicking up, they're a little a little bigger. Um, it also protects them from the birds. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of gulls and uh, and uh, pelicans in South Park. So by stocking them under the ice, there isn't any access for the birds. And then the third reason um, is it really gives the hatchery um, an extended time to raise fish. So generally, you know, in in historically anyway, we wouldn't have any fish to any place to go in the middle of winter with uh, everything being frozen over. But since these lakes are productive and there's plenty of oxygen under the ice, we can expand our hatchery production and stock fish into them. All right. Well, that's, you know, talking about productive lakes and, and things like that under the ice, it, there's some lakes that aren't, and of course, they're stocked differently. And we can maybe touch on some of those other things. But is it a difficult procedure to stock through the ice compared to open water? Uh, it is a little more, a little more intensive. I mean, we, you know, typically when it's open water, you can just back up to the boat ramp and 
and we have these big fish hauling trucks that we can just dump the fish into the water. Um, through the ice, it involves generally going to like the state park, 11 mile state park. We coordinate with them to have the ramp plowed so that we can get our big trucks down the ramp. And then we use, we use these big, big flexible tubes that are anywhere from 30 to a hundred feet long. And we can strap those to the back of our truck. We drill a hole in the ice with an auger, just like you would for ice fishing. We have an elbow that attaches that tube and goes straight down the ice hole. And, uh, we just pull the plug and send them, send them into the water. Now, what time of the year does that usually take happen, usually take place? So all of our all of our winter stocking takes place generally be, between January and March. Um, Eleven Mile, for example, gets about one hundred and twenty thousand catchables through the ice. Uh, Spinney gets about forty five thousand. And then there's a select few other reservoirs that we will stock, um, such as like Stone State Park. We'll stock that with uh, fish for some of the ice fishing clinics and some other events uh, that happen in the wintertime. And you do you do show on the stocking report when this takes place if people are interested in knowing exactly when it happens. Is that right? That is that is correct. The stocking report in the through the ice sometimes is a little is off by a little bit, but generally generally it's up to date and and as far as 11 mile goes that we put them in there almost every week during the winter time in order to get the, all those numbers up there and a lot of them just hang out in that that marina area all winter so it's really a good place to take new ice fishermen or take your take your kids up there now do you have difficulty i mean in nature the rainbows or cut bows are going to they're going to spawn in the rivers or whatever at certain times of the year. Yet you're doing this stocking throughout the year. Do you have difficulty getting fish to those stages? Do you have to hold them longer? Are you able to time the spawn? How do you work that? So generally, so we, you know, here at Mount Chavano Fish Hatchery, we raise almost like we raise about 550,000 catchables a year and another two to three million subcatchables. And the way it's worked is that there's been enough, uh, there's enough hatcheries on the landscape and enough places that can supply eggs that we really can get eggs any week of the year if we wanted to. And so we get, we get eggs from both our um, state facilities, we get them from federal state hatch or federal hatcheries, other state hatcheries, and then we do get some from private hatcheries. So no, our, our fish here, we, it's really a lot of timing and, um, it generally takes us anywhere from 12 to 15 months to raise a catchable trout. And so we get those eggs in knowing that, you know, in a year from now, we need, we need 10 inch fish and we'll get, we'll get 30 different groups of eggs a year and we can hit the timing and every month that needs fish. Now in a lake, like 11 mile or even spinny, let's just say when spinny opens in the spring, because these fish were put in in the winter and they've seen two or three inches or more of growth and they've kind of adapted to the environment, do they act a little bit more like wild fish? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely, they definitely obviously uh, start feeding on all the natural forage and um, they do act a little bit more like wild fish, but you know, a place like Spinney where there is no fishing pressure all winter, you know, there's definitely a, big following for that opening day when everybody can go out there and, and catch both the um, ones that we put in there through the ice, but more 
specifically the ones we put two or three years ago through the ice. And, you know, we're seeing some really good growth rates in those lakes. And we stock a 10-inch fish in January and at least at 11 mile by by the next winter, they're, they're 16 to 18 inches. And the winter after that, they're five or six pounds. And then the next year after that, you're seeing those eight to even 10-pound cut bows in there. Yeah, it's tremendous. The opportunities you guys provide for anglers is so phenomenal. Um, I don't know if people understand how limited our fisheries would be if we weren't doing supplemental stocking of a lot of different species, not just the trout, but uh, a lot of the warm water, too. Last thing, I know it's not really what your hatchery does, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about we're stocking fish up and down the front range. Now, they're starting to do that in open water, or they already have. And those fish will be pretty accessible for shore anglers now and will provide ice fishing uh, opportunities too. A lot of that is happening right now, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, these uh, the front range waters, they're generally, the water once the water cools off in the fall, they'll get stocked up until ice up. And then again in the spring when they when they ice out and and some of those some of those reservoirs such as like a pueblo reservoir you know a lot of times it doesn't have have ice on it so they can they can stock it pretty much all winter and and they will and there's several several of our hatcheries um, uh, the Bellevue hatch or Watson hatchery up in uh, Fort Collins and then the Chocolates hatchery just down the road from us are the ones that supply most of those fish along the front range. Yeah, and what happens is I don't think people don't catch a lot of those fish in some of these bodies of water in the front range through the summer because the water's warm. If there's holdover fish, they're down deep, not very accessible. Then you, those fish that are there start moving closer to shore or start moving more as the water cools, and then they restock. So it really does provide just some great opportunities this time of the year for just a weekend angler to get out and catch some fish. Brian, it was interesting to hear how you did this through the ice, and I think a lot of people are thinking about ice fishing at uh, 11 Mile now after the first of the year after listening to you. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Terry. All right. Thank you so much, Brian Johnson. Uh, You know, talk about here's an opportunity. They want you to know when those fish are there. You follow the stocking report. In fact, if you follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, uh, Karen posts the fishing report that comes out every two weeks, and in that fishing report is a link to the stocking report. In fact, she just posted one uh, this morning. It came out yesterday, but we didn't get it posted until this morning. Usually we post it on Friday. Um, and in there will be the stocking report, and you can see where they put these fish. They want you to go catch these fish. It's a put-and-take type of fishery and it provides so much angling opportunity we're going to take a quick time out and when we come back we're going to be joined by um, somebody who's going to tell you how taking advantage of these opportunities might get you some great prizes all that and more on terry wickstrom outdoors presented by jack's outdoor gear on 104.3 the fan You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I said on 104.3 The Fan as we went out, but we're actually on our ESPN sister station today, 1600. Hopefully, you're, if you're new to the show, you'll follow us. We are, uh, we're back on The Fan for the next few weeks. We usually are there from 9 to 11 every Saturday, and then because of an Air Force football game, we got bumped over here, but we love our sister station, ESPN. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, 
is Andre Egley. Good morning, Andre. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? You know, I am doing great. And it was interesting listening to Brian talk about them, stock these fish through the ice and the opportunities that Parks and Wildlife provides to anglers in Colorado has, has made the state really a great one for anybody who wants to get into fishing. That being said, studies kind of show us that if people aren't introduced to sports like fishing and hunting, by the time they're about 14, they rarely take them up as adults. Uh, and you're trying to change that a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, we are. We introduced a program called the Take a Friend Fishing Contest about four years ago. And it's designed for people, like you said, who weren't introduced to it young. Uh, so you have to be 21 years or older to do it. And basically all it is is somebody takes you out fishing or you take somebody out fishing. Uh, the person who's being taken out that just has to basically have no experience, has never bought a license in Colorado before, or this is the uh, second license they've ever bought in Colorado. Uh, and there's also a third category where you basically you fished once maybe like five, six years ago, but you're kind of getting reactivated, brought back into the fold. And basically all you do is take somebody out fishing, you have some fun, you take some pictures, and then you submit it into our contest and with a little blur, maybe 100 words, and that's it. And we have amazing prizes that we can give out. It's really e easy to enter, uh, really easy to win, and there's some uh, great prizes, almost $1,000 prizes. Yeah, and prizes are both for the mentor and the mentee, right? Yeah, both of them get them. So we have, like, high-end stuff for the mentor, uh, like a, a Orvis Rod and a Ross Reel Combo. Um, and we have uh, beginner stuff. So if you're if somebody takes you out fly fishing and you really get into it, but you don't have all that gear, if you're the mentee, we have beginner fly fishing setups. We have beginner spin casting setups. We have full ice fishing setups with the, the pop up shelter, the auger, the rods, everything. Um, so basically, you go out once and you're already set for life. Now, what are the dates? We're right in the middle of it, but you can still enter because you have drawings at different times. What dates? It started already. It runs till when now? Yeah, it starts in April, and it runs through the end of February. So every three months, we do a winner. So we did a winner in July, and I am in the process of selecting our October winner right now. And then we'll do one more winner uh, in uh, February. So you still have a chance to enter. And if, if you entered back in April and you didn't get selected, you're still in the, the running until the end of February. So maybe somebody had a slightly better entry than you in July, but maybe you'll win in October or February. All right. Now I'm going to skip around a little bit, but first of all, you, you can enter anytime from April till February and people have already entered or eligible. But if I want to know the entire qualifications and rules, I can find that online, right? Yep. Right on the CPW website. So Google search CPW, it'll pop right up and just search for the take a friend fishing contest. We have a whole page devoted to it with the prizes, the official rules, uh, and the entry form is right there online. You don't have to mail in anything. You just type in a few things and upload a photo. And now when you when you talked about taking a friend fishing or taking an adult, or it's an adult taking an adult, we still have open water. In fact, we have some open water fishing year-round in Colorado. I fly fished the Big Thompson in January and February. Pueblo Reservoir a lot of times is open for boating year-round. Certainly we have... Uh, shorelines at Pueblo and we have we have rivers tailwaters like below Pueblo or below the Big Thompson or all across the state so there are open water fisheries but I think taking somebody ice fishing 
just fits this program so well because of the natural togetherness and camaraderie, the ability to be right next to each other on the ice. I think this would be a great time to enter the contest. Oh, absolutely. Ice fishing is, it's just a great, it's so much different than all other fishing. All the other fishing is very like, this is my spot. You fish over there. Uh, But ice fishing is so much more camaraderie and just talking on the ice and just having a good time. And, yeah, it's a great way to introduce people. And the ice is the great equalizer. You know, if you don't have that boat uh, but you can afford a $100 auger, you can get to the same spots that, you know, people have to spend thousands of dollars on the boat to get to, but you can get to them in the winter. Now, I haven't heard any studies recently, but uh, quite a while ago, um, Parks and Wildlife did a study, and they found that, especially for trout, stock trout especially, the, the catch rate or the success rate, through the ice is actually much greater than open water because you are able to access these different areas and get out there and make these finesse presentations. So it is a great time. And tell me again, what if, if somebody is into ice fishing and they want to do the take a friend uh, fishing, what did you have for an ice fishing prizes? So uh, I have a full ice fishing setup that's uh, a prize. So it is a uh, ion auger. It's an electric auger. Uh, eight-inch auger, and then the the sled, uh, as well as a uh, Eskimo pop-up shelter, plus uh, rods, uh, ice fishing rods, the scoop, of course, to keep your your hole clean, plus a whole bunch of jigs and lures and things like that. So pretty much everything you would need, uh, even a little pop-up chair, so you can sit out on the ice and be comfortable. So literally everything you would need to be comfortable on the ice. That and that's a prize that's worth about uh, six hundred dollars all in. So if somebody, you know, if you've got a friend, here's what you do, folks. You, there's somebody at work or somebody that's a neighbor that maybe they know you're an outdoorsman, they know you fish, and you've had conversations, whether they're in the backyard or at the water cooler, and they've, they've shown a little bit of interest that, you know, I might want to try fishing. I maybe did a little bit when I was a kid, or really we never had an opportunity when I was a kid. This is your time to just take those people out fishing and then Submit your experience to the contest, and I'll tell you what, whether you win or not, the joy of seeing somebody catch a fish and helping them learn is so rewarding. But what an opportunity to win some great prizes. So tell us again, where do we find the information? The easiest way is just go to the CPW website, so cpw.state.co.us, or just Google Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and then in our search bar on our website, just search Take a Friend Fishing and take you right to the page. Really a great... Andre, any last comments? It's just a great program. Um, no, not really. Just go out there and have fun. Just enjoy yourself. And like you said, it doesn't matter if you win the, the prizes or not. I mean, that's a great benefit. Um, but I go through all of these. I go through the, the submissions as well as the photos. And I just those photos, are just they warm your heart. There's so many great giant smiles across everybody's face. They're just having a good time. So don't, don't do it just for the prizes. That's a great incentive but do it for the camaraderie and uh, just having some great time with uh, somebody that you care about. All right. Sounds fantastic, Andre. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you. You bet. Yeah, uh, You know, folks, ice fishing is a great I'm going to take one of my own uh, grandkids out that I haven't fished with this winter. We've already got the date set ice fishing. And he made a comment. We were texting back and forth. And he said, he said, I said, we'll have some fun. And he goes, I hope so. And I texted him back. I said, you know what? No matter what, we're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time out there. Hopefully we're going to catch some fish. I think we will. But if, if that doesn't happen, 
hopefully we get to share and talk and get closer to each other. You get to spend time. You'll develop bonding and memories with people, whether they're friends, relatives, uh, your children, your spouse. In an outdoor experience like fishing, camping, hunting, you'll develop bonds and memories that you just don't seem to develop in other activities. The, the Being out in nature just seems to bring that out. So take advantage of this contest, but mostly just get out there and do some fishing. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to take you up to Lake John and up to the North Park area where there's some phenomenal ice fishing opportunities coming up and some great, some great fishing going on right now on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the Front Range, and they are getting their ice fishing gear in right now. I, with, what, with what's happened over the last few years, um, I w- if I'm planning on buying gear, I think I'd get it early. It's just... Uh, we just don't know what the supply chain is going to look like. Let's go to the phones. And uh, joining us from the North Park area is Doug Gibb. Good morning, Doug. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well, except I'm tongue-tied this morning. I can't keep tripping over myself while I talk. But other than that, I'm doing okay. But I guess that's not great for a radio host. But <laughs> I'm doing all right. Happens to the best um, of yeah. us. Happens to the best yeah. of us. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking a lot about ice fishing, getting ready for ice fishing, and I do want to talk to you about when we can expect ice up there and what early ice can be like. But, boy, before we get to that, you've still got some great open water fishing going on right now, don't you? We do. We do. There's Ice has not been forming on the water as of yet, but I, I anticipate that probably starting in the next week. Um, our temps uh, next week are supposed to be highs in the 20s and low in the in the tens, so like around ten or eleven degrees. So, uh, with that being said, you know it'll start forming. But yeah, like we discussed yesterday, we're about two, three weeks away from fishable ice, in my opinion. But but the fishing guy here's here's how spoiled this guy is, folks. We were talking yesterday on the phone, and I said, "Are you seeing any any big fish?" She goes, "Well, this week I haven't seen anything over seven pounds." I'm going. Seven pounds. How spoiled are you when you don't think seven pounds is a big trout? Doug, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I am. I'm, I'm just spoiled. It's true. The Lake John footballs, the Delaney Buttes, I mean, it's that's all I see up here. So, you know, it's, you know, people coming from the front range, when they see a 16-inch fish, you know, they start salivating. And yet up here, we're kind of like, oh, definitely throw that one back. Yeah, in fact, I think you were telling me, I think, People up up there that know what they're doing using tube jigs, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, are catching a lot of 22 to 24-inch fish with trout up to 10 pounds. Is that right? That's absolutely right. So if you are using tube jigs or, you know, anything that will attract a fish like that, you get a big hit, remember to set your drag loose because I I did not, and I lost three good fish last week. They just broke you off. I mean, they, they just pull... What kind of tube jigs? I mean, there's different lures and there's flies. The fishing right now, I assume, is from shore. They're probably not getting out in a boat. I don't know that for sure. You can correct me. But what kind of tube jigs or how are they presenting them? So the tube jigs that are typically being used are the two and three quarter. It's either the green uh, crawl sot or the, the brown. Those two have been the best. 
And certainly you definitely want to make sure that you're dipping those uh, in some kind of oil. I suggest uh, shrimp oil. That seems to work very well. And then uh, the boat docks uh, have both been removed, uh, and that's true for the Delaney Butte as well. But fishing right by the, the boat dock, I mean, that's where I've seen the majority of the fish being caught. You know, it's a nice, rocky, chalky area for the fish to hang out. It's protected. And you throw a tube jig out there, and you don't have to wait long. That's for sure. Now, are, are those, are they, are they fishing that like a jig, hopping it? Or are they swimming it? I mean, you can present a tube in so many ways. They're doing it both ways. We had a, a good clip of wind coming from the south. So, you know, standing at the south boat ramp, um, or the boat dock, the ramp, sorry, you can just use it out and let the waves be your action, right? That's one way. And then another way is basically also just kind of reeling it in slowly with a bobber. So, yeah, you can get action both ways, just letting, letting the, the waves be your be your action or you doing it yourself. Are there some other presentations you see working too? Yeah, a lot of guys uh, uh, are, even the uh, the crickets, the crickets are doing well since we, we have a, you know, abundance of that. And then, of, of course, leeches with the uh, with the egg, you know, the red-headed leech, uh, the leech that looks like it's eating an egg, that's a very popular lure. That's, that's also killing it. What about some of the other lakes around Lake John? You mentioned the Buttes, the Laney Buttes. Uh, any of the other lakes productive, similar? Cowdery, uh, surprisingly, has, has been producing, you know, fish up to about 20 inches consistently with the locals. Uh, Big Creek Lakes, uh, however, I've still been hearing, you know, low yields and anything that uh, have been caught in terms of trout, uh, and it's typically rainbow and cut bone, cutthroat, are scarred, and that's because of all the tiger muskies in there. So there's there's something going on at Big Creek because it has not been a, a good place to fish this summer for, for trout. And you did say the Delaney's were producing some pretty good fish too. Oh, they yes. North and south have 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 been great this year and, and they continue to do so. East as well is another surprise. You know, they, they just don't have the uh the numbers or the size, but but certainly if you want twenty inches all day long you'll get it at east. Oh, that's just such phenomenal fishing, you know, and it's not that far a drive. And speaking of that, if people come up, tell people about your facility and your accommodations. So, yeah, so uh, Lake John is about uh, 18 miles west of the town of Walden. It takes about 25 minutes to get there. The roads are very well maintained by the county. Uh, even when it's snowpacked, they do a great job. And... Uh, in our accommodations, we have five cabins. We have a fifth wheel that we rent out. And, of course, our RV park is open year-round, uh, just without water. But the power and sewer is available, picnic table, trash, uh, pickup, all that good stuff is included. And then, of course, we have a store uh, where we sell bait and tackle and your your necessities. And then from uh, once we get into ice fishing, we, uh, we also rent shanties. Uh, we have three. We have from a two-man two to a four-man, so uh, options are open. I suggest that you try and reserve as much as you can uh, ahead of time because it does get now, busy. Now, we think typically, I always think typically, I think of Lake John possibly getting fishable ice, usually around uh, Thanksgiving, and you kind of alluded to that earlier. Is that kind of what you're thinking yet, that we'll see 
some open water for a while, but then we'll start seeing skim ice and then ice that's probably reasonable to venture out on around Thanksgiving, depending on weather, of course. Of course, yeah. And so the last two years, we had fishable ice uh, by the 4th of December. Of course, that meant that we had started accumulating ice before that. And, you know, there were people out there. Um, I always wait till four inches, but there are some people that uh, that like to push the limits. I I don't recommend that, but uh, but that's that's how people roll these days. Well, and you know, and I want to talk about some tournaments that'll be out there. But before we get to that, um, another thing that what'll happen. This will happen on all lakes, but like we mentioned, the ice will start forming. Now you're going to have great shore fishing right up till you can't because of the ice will be in your way, but you won't be able to get out on it. But what happens, these fish start getting comfortable. They start not being harassed by anglers because there's about a two-week period usually or a week and a half to two weeks where you just can't fish for them because there's not there's too much ice to fish from shore but not enough ice to get out there. And so that they get really comfortable, and that early ice then, they can be very aggressive. And I'll bet you see some big fish come out of their early ice. Yeah, that's true, Terry. We've Typically, first ice is prolific, just for everything that you've described. So, yeah, it's it's always the the, the best, and we've already uh, got some reservations for people uh, anticipating that that ice. And then after we get into the ice fishing, after the holidays, you have a couple of nice tournaments up there. People want to come up and do that. Tell me about those. So, yeah, this year, the Lake John tournament, which is, again, it's a two-day tournament. Uh, it's it's a Saturday, Sunday, 21st and 22nd of January, and uh, it has a great prize structure, great gifts, giveaway. They do drawings, you know, cash drawings, uh, hourly prizes, hourly for the, the largest fish, of course. And it's just a great time. Last year, we had uh, uh, almost 500 people here. And then... Uh, and then the same uh, is true for the Delaney Buttes tournament, which is on the 11th of February this year at the Buttes. And we'll have two stations like we've always had, one by the south boat ramp and one at the, the north boat ramp. And uh, and that's just a one-day tournament on a Saturday. And, uh, uh, you know, the prize uh, showing and whatnot will be held in town uh, afterwards. The Lake John tournament, I believe they're going to – give out the prize at Lake John like they did last year, but we're we're still figuring all that out. And then, uh, of course, people want to know when the ice is going to form and when they can get out there. So how do they get information? Because I know you keep tabs on all that. So, yeah, so on my Facebook feed, um, you know, I, I try and put out daily feeds or at least every other day so that people know what's going on because I am getting a lot of questions. And I also have that same fishing feed on my website www.lakejohnresort.com which you can also get that fishing report so there's two places you can get that and of course you can always call us at 970-286-1269 and and for specific questions and, and needs and whatnot we'd be happy to help all right, my friend. Hopefully, people get up and take advantage. I think you're going to have well. You got some great fishing right now. Get in some last minute open water fishing. You might get one of those ten bounders. But boy, be ready for ice fishing season up there. I think it's going to be a really good one. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Terry. All right, Doug Gibb from there. By the way, if you go to my um, YouTube channel, 
The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Now, this was filmed a few years back, but we did some fishing right out on Lake John. We fished in their shelters they rent out, and we fished out of portable shelters. And we just did a great example of how easy it is to fish that lake through the ice. So you may want to take a look at that on Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Brad Peterson's going to join us. And we're not only going to talk uh, fishing, getting ready for ice fishing, because Brad's an avid ice angler. We're going to talk about what's going on right now with waterfall. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN. <laughs> 